This is the Dave and Shecky Show. We got this groovy podcast for ya. Reviewing crazy tunes or quoting Twain and Sting and Doom. We'll bring ideas to share like bonus points for extra flair. Cause it's the freaking Dave and Shecky Show. Show. We're bringing you this groovy review. We might preview movies, bake some bread, or drink some smoothies. So come on, have way too much caffeine. You roll up some rivers, I'll reference some Raffi. This is the Dave and Shecky Show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode, episode number 23 of I'm going to assume one of your favorite podcasts since you're still listening. It's the Middle-Aged Cool Kids, super terrific podcast featuring your pals. Uh, Jeff Berlin and Bunny Brunel. I guess I'm Bunny. Of course you are. I don't know uh, why you would say that, but uh, who are who are Jeff and Bunny? Come on, you Pray know tell. Jeff Berlin. Jeff Berlin and Bruni, Bruni you Patel. You saw Jeff Berlin at the Iridium. I saw Jeff Berlin at the Iridium. Okay. I So he's a jazz guy. He's a bass player. Okay. Jeff Berlin and Bunny Brunel are both fretless bass players or have played fretless. Okay. And they were, uh, they weren't quite Jocko, but they were uh, innovators in their own right. And you say they were, are they both passed away? No, they oh. are both around, but music has died. Well, okay. But maybe not for them. Maybe they're out there still doing their oh, thing. Oh, they're still doing their thing, okay. getting paid enough to eat at McDonald's. Yeah, they're doing it. Is is that the guy that we kind of like, when we walked home that night, it looked like we were following him? Or was that from a Mose Allison uh, thing? Oh, that was the bass player from Mose. I think that was Ratso Harris. We went to the Iridium one night, and then after the show was over... We happened to be walking in the same direction as the bass player. <laughs> and it seemed like we were following 30 him. feet behind exactly. him. Exactly. <laughs> How did he pack up that quickly and get out? And we, what, what is that? I don't know. I don't know because I know that we're not people, we're not lingerers, you know. And we're not like just going to chill out and stay for another drink or whatever it was. That, as fine of an establishment as the Iridium is, I really do love it there. Um but uh, yeah, he was in front of us, and he didn't he keep like turning around. I felt like I felt like we should dip into a store or something and wait ten minutes because it was really weird the how close we were behind him. That was almost as bad as Brad Garrett. No, well, you've told the story about Brad Garrett. The Brad Garrett thing barely happened. I felt like he was going to squash me with his snakeskin boots. He was a big a big man, but look, he he came out of the back of his thing, got on an escalator. Hey. And we were there. And we hadn't even been to the Brad Garrett Comedy Store or whatever it was. There. It's Come just Diamond come. Brad. Yeah. Oh. But he was with, a, I, I remember he was with like an insanely beautiful person. Well, you know how most people are smaller than they, you think they are? He's bigger. Yeah. Brad Garrett was a huge, huge, huge person. Um, anyway. So, uh, <laughs> so much for the start of the show. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's get on to it. So this month is October, and as I had said last week, we're going to try and do spooky types of things um, this month. Spooky. 
Speaking of spooky things, at the end of last week, I uploaded the show as I had done 21 episodes before that. And this time, the wrong episode uploaded. And I don't know how it happened. And this is uh, to the iTunes and uh, all of the radio, uh, audio-only type places. And I don't know how it happened because I named the shows in uh, numerical order. Need a spirit box. So number 22 is nowhere near number one, which is the show that somehow got uploaded for a day. So that's a spooky thing. The second spooky thing that just happened uh, is that for the first time, us doing this show, this, uh, at least this Mac podcast, I don't know about shows that we did years ago, uh, I hit record. Everything seemed to be fine. And uh, 10 minutes in, I look over. It's not fine. I'm not recording. Only Dave is. That's why you're Bunny Brunel. That's why I'm Bunny Brunel, apparently. Um, And Dave did a whole thing. Instead of saying Bunny and Jeff, he said George and Zap. We went into a really... I didn't say George and Zap. What did you say? I was Zap. I said Roger and Zap. Roger and Zap. George and Zap is a whole other thing. Okay. That's like George Enough. Clinton's and Zap. So uh, we went into this whole thing about uh, Spooky Tooth and Badfinger, and it was delightful and entertaining, and we'll have to talk about it again, but when we restarted the show, Dave did not have the energy to pretend uh, he hadn't already said all of this stuff, which I, I find is actually great. You know, you know? Pardon me, brother. Can you spare a spirit box? Don't uh, have a spirit box. A brother down on his luck. I just need a spare spirit box. You okay. got one. We will be doing an episode about stuff like that. Just one spirit box. Come on, man. Okay. This is not that episode. Oh. oh. How about two dollars? Okay. Can you spare two dollars? I want my two dollars. Anywho, here we go. Uh, as you can already tell by the title of this podcast, we are going to be talking about the Amityville horror. Hey. You, you want to buy a Subaru down in uh, Jersey City? Okay. How about a Toyota? Okay. I believe they're... How about a Cadillac? I don't believe that BMW? is in Jersey City. I believe it was in Long Island somewhere. Oh, no, they're all over the place. Okay. Anyway, here we go. And I had... Okay. <laughs> here we go. So, the Amityville Horror, and, I, and you might be cringing and be like, oh, that shit is so fake. Just hear us out. Oh, that shit is so fake. This, this event. Yo, that shit really happened, yo. What did I say before the show? Don't interrupt you. Let me get through the timeline, please. Oh, sit still and don't move your legs. I didn't say that. Oh, sorry. (laughs) This event starts on November 13th, 1974 with a 23-year-old Ron DeFeo, Ronnie DeFeo, burst through a doorway at Henry's Bar in Amityville, Long Island. I don't talk bad about this guy. He's still alive, okay? No, I didn't say anything bad about I'm him. Just saying. Okay. It's, this is not Gotti, Dave. They're not going to come to the house. Hey, look at his last name. You I see uh, Junior. You think Senior is going to be happy with you? Don't interrupt while I go through the timeline. Right, all I asked this morning. I'm just saying, it's how you, you know. You're going to shit on everything no, I'm not I say. It's good. All right. I like it. Okay. Then let me say it so you can like it even more. Oh, I love that. 
So he burst through the doorway at 6.30 uh, p.m. on a Wednesday and said, you got to help me. I think my mother and father have been shot. So a bunch of people from the bar went over to the house, and sure enough, everybody was dead. The whole family dead. Uh, his, his parents, Ron Sr., his mother Louise, his sister Dawn, his sister Allison, his brothers Mark, and John Matthew. They'd all been shot with a uh, rifle. They'd all been shot in the back, and they were all found face down in their beds. Uh, this is going great. Apparently at that point, they had already been dead 15 hours. So uh, he had shot them at 3 o'clock in the morning the night before. And then whatever he did during the day, I don't know. But at 6.30 is when he decided to go into that bar and tell people that his family was dead. The neighbors did not hear any of the gunshots. There was no silencer used. No one heard any screaming. And But you would think after the first shot, everybody would wake the fuck up. So uh, the way they had the manner they had been shot, it had it had been assumed that they had all been sleeping at the time. So he gets convicted. He is clearly guilty uh, of the crime. Six six counts of second degree murder. A year after the murders, not ten years, not fifteen years, the house is does not stand empty for a very long time. It goes on the market, probably uh, a relative trying to maybe pay for this guy's, uh, his attorney fees, who knows. And it's bought by the Lutzes. George and Kathy Lutz buy a house, huge house, huge, gorgeous house, Dutch colonial, at uh, 112, I think it's Ocean Street. Ocean. I gotta tell you, I just came up with a great idea for a sitcom. 112 it's Ocean. Meet a- the Lutzes. Okay. 112 Ocean Avenue. This is the timeline. It's almost I want like kind of like the Ropers. Got to have a Ropers theme song. Okay. And what happens in in in? Well, I don't know. You know, the comedy ensues. Oh, how does the comedy <clears throat> ensue? Are the ghosts funny? Or? The whole thing is just a rip roaring funny. Okay. And it's also dark. It's a dark comedy. All right. It's called Meet the Lutzes, or else. Okay. All right. That's pretty funny. All right. So uh, they are uh, a young couple. She is, uh, he is her second husband. Second husband. Um, She's got children with her first husband. Didn't work out. They were high school sweethearts. She meets George. They get married, and they decide to buy a house together. Uh, now this Amityville house, I don't know how, how willing you would be to buy a house that had had murders, people murdered in there maybe 30 years ago, but I certainly don't know that regardless of the bargain price, unless I was going to flip it, I don't know that I would be able to buy a house that had had six people murdered in it just the year before. What do you? I would uh, probably pass on that if possible. Yeah. But I, I guess the house was, I mean, look, it's a beautiful home. It's a Dutch colonial. It's on the water. It's got a pool. It's got a boathouse. It's a dream house. It's, it's, it's like an HGTV dream house type of thing. 
It's nice. Yeah. So they bought it. Uh, and the story pretty much starts from there. Uh, because there had been people murdered in the house and because they were, uh, at least she was, a, a religious person. I believe she was a Catholic. Uh, she called a priest over to have it not exercised, but just to have houses blessed. And back in the day, people, uh, that was a common thing, actually. If you were a Catholic or very religious and you bought a new house, you would just have a, the local guy come, the local clergy come and, and bless the house. Um, you weren't getting rid of anything bad, but I think also because they bought a new house and it had such a tragic history, she just was doing, you know, something that uh, anybody at that time who was who had some faith would do. It's a, that's not that's not out of the ordinary at all. So she had him come over, and it, it, the, as the story goes, according to the book by Jay Anson that came out in 1978, just a few years after this all went down, uh, the priest left without saying anything. Because the priest was told to get out. And he just abruptly left. And so starts their 28 days of uh, haunting demonic entities. Whatever you think happened there. It happened in 28 days after they moved in. And then they got out. The The night that, that changed their minds of... I guess what happened was... According to them, 28 days after 28 days, when the boys beds started uh, moving up and down and uh, his wife levitated off of their bed and he was pinned to the bed. So he couldn't he could grab her, but he, they couldn't leave the room to go to the boys. Um, and he tried to call the priest when they finally could get up and they were all freaking out. He tried to call the priest from the kitchen phone kitchen phone wasn't working wasn't letting him connect so he went into his office and i guess he had a second line there and was able to call the priest there and i guess this was at, you know in the morning after all of this had happened or maybe that night and the priest said why are you still there and it was kind of like shit we don't have to still be here it's that moment this, where you're like fuck what, i gotta what, go so what is this after 28 days packed up the family, and went to uh, Kathy Lutz's mom's house. That's where their story starts and ends. You know, it's not a true story when it says a true story. That's like Coke classic. It's not classic if you got to put it on the bottle. So uh, after that, the uh, things weren't like they are now, where someone like a Zach Baggins will swoop in and buy that house and uh, investigate the shit out of it. Um now, if you say you've had an experience, you've got uh, 15 shows at least willing to come to your house and talk to you uh, or with, with a psychic and uh, paranormal investigators and um, you're, no one's going to laugh at you, point fingers. They're just, it's just they're going to say, okay, well, we're going to come help you. Um, whether it's Zach Baggins or that lady Amy with the cop Mike or the paranormal state or ghost adventure or ghost hunters there there are a gazillion ghost shows now there were zero ghost shows then 
So these people got the fuck out of their house. Um, and I don't think they ever went back in it. They uh, told their story to somebody, to a, a reporter lady from uh, New York News Channel 5, WNEW. And uh, she got them in touch with some, she was their, I guess their paranormal reporter. She got them in touch with the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who came and met with them. And they went to the house with a reporter, with a photographer, uh, probably priests. And I, I don't know if they exercised the house or they tried to cleanse the house, but they went twice, once in February and once in March. Since then, no one who's bought the house has claimed to have any kind of paranormal activity. The Warrens, uh, may they rest in peace, said that, you know, well, that's because we cleansed the house. Okay, fine. The story doesn't really end there, though, does it? The book came out. I read the book. I read the book. When I was little, I read all the time. All the time. I just, it was, it's an amazing way to escape. There weren't that many channels on the television. So uh, books were the best means of escape. And when I say that this book scared the fuck out of me, I'm not even a little bit being uh, an exaggerator. Not even a little bit. So, Let's let's kind of get your take so far, Dave. When you were little, did you hear about the story first and then the book and then the movie? Or were you kind of just doing your thing and then the movie came out and you didn't know any of the behind the scenes or hadn't heard of it until then? I just heard about the movie. It's the kind of house they don't build anymore. A relic of a time when the world wasn't in such a hurry when there was still time for a little charm and elegance. It has stood empty for a long while. And at the price, it is a bargain. For a growing young family, it is almost too good to be true. What do you think? I love it. James Brolin, Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger, in the Amityville Horror. After the Lutz family moved into their dream house, 
they were running for their lives. What happened to them is an experience in terror you will never forget. And you will believe in the Amityville horror. From the best-selling book that made millions believe in the unbelievable, the Amityville horror. So this wasn't on your radar at all. No, it was not. That's interesting because you have so many brothers and sisters who may have been at an age where they would have been at least talking about it or something. Not into it at all. No. And you guys lived in New Jersey, so right across the way. Well, um, so the story I've told you. So you haven't read the book. Did you ever see the movie? Yes. The story, uh, as I've laid it out here, you're, you think it's not believable at all or somewhat believable so far? I don't believe it. You don't believe any of it? No. I don't even believe... I don't, what, I don't believe... I don't believe any of it. Okay, that's fine. How do we know anything? Quite frankly, half this stuff is based off of people's recollection. And what we're learning is that people can't recall shit properly. So I don't know what's fabrication and what's truth. This is one big fucking Kavanaugh trial. I, don't, I can't see reality from, from non-reality in the recollection of any of this. I know there's a couple things. I know you have a, a, a guy who took over the family who was a, a demonic weirdo. And I know you have a mother who was neglectful for marrying him. And uh, I know that the son was influenced by the mother and the, the fa- and him and angry as fuck at the family being ruined by him and angry at the mother and angry at all this, angry at his loss of control. And the rest is a fabricated nonsense based on stuff that they actually believed happened. People, believe, people recall things incorrectly and then their mind manipulates it to, to further change the story. You can ask a police officer. They have an eyewitness account. It was a red car with uh, jersey plates. It's not. It was a brown car with a completely different plate. And they have the car to prove it. It's like, what car was involved in an accident? Oh, it was this car. And then, no. T- entirely other car. So why would you think that that's true? And you just believe you could take a lie detector test because you believe it was that car. It wasn't that car. That's what's going on here. Well, uh, as, it, as it was happening in uh, 75, the Lutzes came together and met with, um, I believe her name is Laura Didio. I believe that's her name. Uh, she should be put in jail. She was, like I said, the, re, the paranormal reporter from WNEW. And, uh, she, she should be convicted of child abuse. She put them together with some... Uh, I don't know if it was Jay Anson right away or and and the Lorraine and Ed um, Warren, but uh, they sat down and gave a five-hour interview about their situation and things that happened to them in that house in those twenty-eight days. That's the same woman who produced the fabricated photograph. Actually, that's that's not true. Anyway, um, not what do you mean? How is that not true? Laura Didio? No, the Warrens. 
Lorraine and Ed Warren produced a photograph that did not look fabricated in the least to me. I've worked in dark rooms, and back in the 70s, you can burn images into paper so easily. You can sub. That totally looked like an Ozzy Osbourne album cover. It's ridiculous. Okay. So there, it wasn't like 30 years later they're retelling the story and uh, it's more fabricated. They spoke their truth for five hours during that time, during that uh, December, January, uh, they gave one in-depth interview to somebody who then turned it into a book. Um, The book might have been more sensationalized and I feel afterwards uh, that, that they did come out and say, look, it wasn't not all of these things happened, but the flies definitely happened. Um, the uh, the garage door, the dog uh, basically hanging himself, all of those things did happen. Um, there was a whole list of bullet bullet points where they said that, that these things actually happened to them. I... Uh, I don't know what to say. I am not a person who... I believe that there are ghosts. I believe that there are poltergeists. I believe that there are uh, evil entities out there working against us. Uh, I don't know if they're religious. I don't know if it's the devil. They're demonic. But I feel that there are bad things out there. Um, For a family to make up a 28-day nightmare... um, People didn't do things like this for attention back then. That's not true. Name me something else that somebody did for attention back then. L. Ron Hubbard created a whole religion. Yeah. L. Ron Hubbard created a whole religion in the 50s and has thousands of people believing him. He did it for attention. He did it for money. This guy George Lutz is the problem. I don't don't disagree that George Lutz also is a problem. I don't disagree that. Yeah, but he what create, about the murders that happened there? That's a that's their poor judgment for moving into that house and then having a child be influenced by a lack of knowledge. So the the house is not the problem. The problem was the 1970s and the DeFeo kid was a junkie. What are you going to do? Who was probably abused by his parents? So what we're we're coming around to is that after all of this has happened, um Years, decades later, one of the kids, one of the the kids from the Lutz family, little Danny Lutz, uh, agreed to a documentary, and it's called My Amityville Horror, and you can uh, rent it from Amazon Prime for three ninety nine. I believe that there is a such thing as evil, and I was a victim of that. On November 13, 1974, the house at 112 Ocean Avenue, Amityville, became the site of a notorious mass murder. I didn't want to be the Amityville horror kid. I've been running away from it, and it finally caught up to me. Very shortly after moving in, the Lutz family claimed to have begun experiencing mounting paranormal phenomena. When I went in there, there was probably four or five hundred flies. And we're talking, this is mid-December in Long Island. The entire family is standing there watching the garage door slam up and slam down. And the dog is hanging himself. 
I had to speak to George and Sir. But at that point, he was your stepfather. You don't want to call him dad? You're not my father. He lived with adults who believed in the occult. You married this guy, you moved me to his house. What the hell is he into? They got very deep with something dark and something evil that they totally didn't understand. Satanic history, devil worship, mind control. I was possessed by a spirit that I could not get rid of on my own. I didn't care if the priests were beating me, performing exorcisms on me, which, if I'm not mistaken, they don't want to talk about. When the stories start to change, then it's time to become suspicious. The sensation felt by Steve Petropoulos, our cameraman, he was overcome by something. This is one of the pictures that their photographer took that night. There were no children and no animals in the house that night. We remember bits and pieces of experience, but we'll fill in the gaps in our memory. Maybe this is just manifestations. Maybe you imagined all of this. I just wanted somebody to believe me. Show me the evidence. What took place in that house was a, a true personification of evil. I feel it is it is compelling. I feel he is 100% believable. He's never come out because he he is sick of people thinking that their family is liars. He is he is so confident in what he he knows and what he remembers. He is just so compelling. There is just no reason not to believe him. For me, I believe him. I he believe said that the guy. The bedposts were uh, through the concrete of the wall. Where's where's that? That no one ever backed that up. That seems one of the most substantial claims. It's just something he says in passing. Well, that's the other thing. He also talks about his hand being fucked up, and he shows his finger is fucked uh, up from a <laughs> a window that that slams on his hands. But and he says they go and they try to fix it. They go downstairs. His mom's getting him ice. That's his recollection again. And then they both look at it, and it's no his hands no longer messed up, just the one finger still. So it could have been that whatever it's this is the thing it whatever happened to them it could have easily been some sort of hallucination this is the thing though this whole story <clears throat> spawned all these ghost stories basically this is like the the blueprint for what everyone believes now uh right there's always a first one and that that's why it so we're influenced by this i'm saying Everything that we think of as a ghost story has its origins in this. I mean, in a, in a paranormal scenario, has its origins in this story and The Exorcist. So that influences what we think. So when we say, oh, man, there's flies. Well, that's because that image comes from this story. Right. But if there's hundreds and hundreds of flies... Yeah, but they were in the upper room. That's the sunroom where they where flies go. And how do you know you didn't have a backed-up septic tank? Plus, they said there was murders. How do we know there wasn't fucking remnants of, uh, of murder around where flies are attracted like maggots? That's not paranormal. That's poor cleaning. I got you. I got what you're saying. That's fine. That's fine. This is a child, and he was neglected by his parents. The father. Oh, you can uh, you can have him if you take him over and take his name. The, the, the father just is out of the picture forever. Sure, George. Let's just take my family and convert their name to yours, and I'll just leave forever. What is he, Johnny Cuckmo? Yeah, I didn't. Uh, what the fuck is that? That is terrible. George Lutz. I mean, look at that guy. That guy. I from what I've read, um, 
doing my, you know, my pre-show uh, prep, my little, my pre-show research, I, my guess is that George Lutz is a sociopath. Um, just from watching the documentary, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying, you know, uh, you're, that guy's a fucking sociopath, like a flippant, you know, calling him a name. I'm, I'm saying I would probably guess that his diagnosis is he is a sociopath, as was Ron DeFeo. So maybe there was something in that house that attaches themselves to people with this personality disorder. Mm. Not to mention, not to mention that Ron DeFeo hair parted on the left, mustache and beard, swooping bang that comes... Uh, but that was a popular hairstyle back then. I feel like they look exactly alike. They suffer the same mental illness which it is it is a mental illness there are people who are functioning sociopaths out there but they are crazy they are batshit crazy and um but they're too smart to let you know it (laughs) so uh i i don't know i feel like there's this thing with poltergeist is that they manifest because of a because of something that's happening they manifest around somebody specific they're not in the house, but they manifest around a person. Um, so maybe they were, these poltergeists were in the house. They had manifested because of DeFeo Jr. And then they were just there still waiting to see what would happen. And within a year, another guy, same personality disorder, looks exactly like him, moves in. And... If if this if Daniel uh, if if Danny Lutz is to be believed and like I said I find him completely credible. Lutz has got all these fucking crazy books about witchcraft and mind control and the occult. That doesn't that doesn't matter. That's what people do. That's what people had. People were into that stuff back then. That was the sixties and seventies vibe. They were into the occult? You're into understanding and, and broadening your mind. And the occult is not negative unless you make it negative. There's nothing negative about it unless you use it for a negative purpose. Well, he and said, I know very little about it, but I can tell you that's for guaranteed. He said that uh, the guy had, you know, uh, pictures on his walls. This is before they the moved the Bible. In. There's okay. pictures in the Bible that are scared the shit out of a kid. There are no photographs in the Bible. There's there pictures no I've seen of pictures goats in the Bible. that scared me that are religious. That uh, would be the Satanic Bible. No. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yes. Okay, so my perspective is obviously coming from a different place. Anyway. the Bibles we had had goats in it. This is the problem. He was saying, Danny Lutz was saying that George Lutz... Isn't that a Jewish name? That George Lutz had... How are you a Methodist if you're a Lutz? Oh, wait. I'm thinking of a Putz. Never mind. Had... Satanic Bibles in his bookcase with uh, with page markers in them, bookmarks, and that he and that he had art hanging up in his house that was uh, not he thought was satanic. All right, so he's a John Podesta fan. What what are we going to do, Tony? Podesta. Tony Podesta. Anyway, Listen, this is okay. the thing. This is the thing. as a child. Yes, 
you see things and you misunderstand them. And then when your mother reacts like a lunatic and takes the book out of your hand and says, leave my, my uh, husband's possessions alone because he doesn't like them fucked with, you misinterpret it as something dark and demonic. And then you manifest it in your head into something more than it is. And before you know it, this guy's levitating spoons. Okay. I mean, you're, you're, you think this is a joke. I'm, I think I I'm think taking it seriously. I think he's absolutely... I don't see why you wouldn't want to take a lie detector test that he would absolutely pass because he's delusional and he fully believes it. I see. I don't find him delusional at all. I've, I, this is... Look at... I would think he was delusional if... From the from the age of fifteen on, he used this over and over again to get money, to uh, make a living, to become popular, to sell a book, to promote part, his no, band. That would, that would mean he's deceptional. That, I mean, he's trying to see. Dude, he has kept this shit because of the people who like you who come out and point fingers at his family and say fakers, 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 fakers. You're you're a liar. Nothing you can say. He has lived. Changed his name, not told anybody his story. He has lived with this fucking nightmare, this 28-day nightmare that did happen to him. He did know the things that actually happened. And he, and he has been afraid to talk about it for years because of people like you saying, oh, you're just a delusional kid. Nothing is worse He's to a child or an adult person who, as a child, was not believed. I'm just saying, when you're no. a kid and you're not believed, it's the, a... That, this is- Look, he shut down completely. There's ghost st- stories and there's scientific explanation, and the scientific explanation leads me to believe that he's he his brain is playing tricks on him. I don't think so. I do. I don't. Th- I don't. Th- I just. So you don't believe in ghosts at all? No. When I was living in Englewood with you at a house we bought there, we had so many things happening. One of which I was pushed down a set of steps. I was physically touched on the back and pushed down a set of steps. I wasn't home. I just want to let everyone know. No, you weren't home. I was pushed down. So I'm making that up? I don't know. When I told you you it happened that day, I was remembering incorrectly? I don't know what to tell you about that. I don't know. In the middle of the night when our doorbell would ring... Or in the morning, I'm not a mechanic who knows the inner workings of doorbells. Or in the morning when we would wake up and all of our windows would be open... What did you wake up? Did you did you sleepwalk? You think and open the windows? I don't know what to tell you. So our house in Englewood, we had a lot of stuff happening. Um, the push down the steps was it wasn't a, a a shove. It wasn't like I'm trying to break your neck. It was a push, though. It was a definite push on my back, and I did fall. I didn't fall all the way down the whole steps. But I fell halfway down and I was able to grab something and right myself. So I, I didn't really get hurt. But it was it was scary and it was painful. And uh, it was the worst thing that happened. Everything else that happened seemed to be, um, I don't want to say playful, but it was just, it wasn't anything that was going to affect our lives. I mean, we the, the doorbell would go off in the middle of the night um, a few times. Or maybe lights would go out, but that could be electricity, so I'm not even going to, you know, it was, an, it was an older house. But the windows being open, you know, windows that needed to be unlatched and pushed open is, is something substantial. Uh, we were there for a few years. We didn't leave because of any of that. But even though that happened while we were there, you had you didn't believe it. No. 
What did you see? Do you think I just fell and I just wanted to blame somebody? I don't know what happened. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I physically felt something on my back. Um, that has nothing to do with this guy. I'm just saying, you say you don't believe anything, so you're... I don't. You're not even willing to... Uh, I mean, I, I... Oh, my God. Over and over again, I've been willing. What are they fucking waiting for? Prove you exist. Otherwise, leave me the fuck alone. I mean, what is this? How old do I got to be before I see something? Well... I'm just so not open to it. Well, then fuck you, ghosts. Fuck you. I'm not saying that you're not open to the ghosts. I'm saying you're not open to listening to this guy's story. Or how, even... many, how many years do I have to be on this earth before, uh, before I get it past that I don't have to believe in ghosts? What do you mean? I'm not... What do you I'm mean? I'm just saying uh, what it's going to take to... What... When am I going to have proof? Why does everyone else have proof? What kind of proof are you looking for? I don't know. Move a fucking bed. Shake me. Do something. The fuck is this? I'm the only one? I don't, I mean, I don't know if you're the only one, but when I, uh, I lived in Long Island for a little bit in uh, Long Beach, Long Island. And ghosts. Ghosts are what you make them. I was renting a basement apartment uh, in Long Beach, a couple uh, blocks from the beach. Long Beach Boulevard, I believe it's called. And um, one, I was there with my dog, my Rottweiler, Ted. And um, I would, we would sleep on the couch while watching TV. It was a small little apartment. Ted would sleep on one end and I would uh, curl up and sleep on the other. And uh, one night, one night the couch started moving. It was moving as if someone had, was holding it behind my head, holding the arm and moving it up and down. I opened my eyes because I thought I might have been dreaming. And I looked at the bottom of the couch where my dog was and he was looking past me. The couch stopped moving. I looked behind me. And there was a Spanish guy from maybe the 70s. He had one of those 70s leather jackets, not the motorcycle kind, but the kind like you might see in like a Starsky and Hutch. He was wearing white pants. Uh, the jacket seemed like it was brown. Um, I could see through him. And his head was down. His head was down. Like he was looking at the floor or he was praying or he was gotten in trouble, and then, you know, when he looked down, you don't want to look up. And I got scared to death. I turned back towards my dog, and I said, you have to go. You can't be here. And that was the end of that. I had two friends uh, come and spend a few weeks each with me at that apartment. Um, my friend Jay and my friend Angelique, we slept with all the lights on, and uh, I was scared shitless in that place for a month. Nothing else happened there, but uh, I did move into the city uh, pretty quick after that. I moved into uh, my apartment on St. Mark's with my Rottweiler. So I've had shit happen to me that is really scary, scary enough to make me cry, scary enough for me to beg people to come and stay in the house with me. Um, I'm, I'm making it up. You think I'm delusional? 
I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think something happened to you. Yeah. and But it's not like I'm not that Dr. Blazy Ford, whatever her name is, 35 years later. Yeah, but the thing is, it never happens to me. And when I hear something like that, I can't relate to it. That's fine that you can't... I don't mind that you can't relate to it, but it almost feels like you you won't relate to it. Like you won't even try and say... This is the thing. I'm married to this person. Maybe she's telling me the truth. I don't want to be controlled by something outside of my control. So for the very reason that this kid in the documentary manifested ghosts, I don't manifest ghosts. I, I don't want to lose control of what I have. So, I don't allow myself to deal with that shit. Honestly, there's been enough tragedy in my life where I don't need it. That bad stuff happened. That's real. I don't need I don't need something that may or may not happen. If it happens, I'll deal with it, but it hasn't happened and every year I grow stronger knowing it's not happening. And what if it happened today? I would take some thought and consider. But what would you think? What would you th- I would definitely think that's odd. I don't know. I'd have to have it happen. I haven't had something happen. But honestly, it's just like... I'm pretty... I don't know. What if there's a gene, you know, that's that that allows you to be open to some things and not to other things? Like, I'm obviously missing the jazz gene, uh, the je- the gene of singing. I can't... I, I, I don't understand jazz. It confuses me. I can't sing... And that's upsetting, but you can do both of those things. If I have a gene that makes me not see ghosts, then I have also a gene that should make me angry about seeing ghosts. You're, but you have a gene that makes you angry just about everything, Dave. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, exactly. can literally watch a comedy and be angry about it. Did you see it. those fucking people in that documentary who are uh, licensed doctors? Jesus Christ. Uh, the, I am so far ahead of them. It's ridiculous. You're talking about the Miamiville horror. Which which doctor? The woman. Miamiville. Where is that? Down south. The woman who was the psychologist who had moved from another country, and that was the most Miami Beachville. Uh, I'm talking about first of all the Jew woman who was uh, said she had uh, moved from another country. Yes. Okay. Now that woman has no business. Okay. You, working. Okay, she... Second of all... Well, this is... Wait, why? But she... I mean, I, I found her why? to be Look a... Look at her. If she, I was that guy, I would have walked out before we started. You're not worthy of my imaginary story. His story is not imaginary. Exactly. You're not worthy of it. But I... This is why... Another reason why I just... This is, and this Go. is the same with the Gotti thing. I... Um, I like people like that. I Dude, like that blue collar. I need Chuck Zito from the fucking Hell's Angels to sit down. That we can talk. That guy I'll talk to. All right. Uh, I'm not going to talk to fucking Lisa Klein from fucking uh, Wesleyan with a di- you know a degree in sociology. Jesus Christ! Is that who she? What her name was? I no, don't know but I'm name. just saying. What the fuck is she? Who the fuck is she? 
Well, it was... She studied some shit in school. Oh, I've met with lots of people, and I never let my lack of experience ever interfere with my opinion of you. I feel like the Ugh. director of this documentary picked her for some reason. A dumb cunt. Maybe she was uh, suggested. I don't know. Look, the other woman, that frumpy-ass woman with the glasses who looked like fucking Sally Jissy Raphael on a bad day. Yeah, I don't know where she was from. Uh, did he imagine it, or didn't he? Oh, how much he get paid for that synopsis? Yeah. Oh, she probably got paid for an hour or two. Of... I can't put my faith in people who I am superior to. All right, Dave. That... I know I'm superior to okay. them. I am. There is a, something called the superior already nope, this complex. is reality. There is also something called delusions of grandeur. Oh, I don't have any delusions of grandeur. I know I'm not a better drummer than hundreds of people who are better than me. Okay. Probably thousands. All right. But when it comes to those psychologists, I am... Absolutely superior. I 100% guarantee you. All right. That's fine. They are retarded. And to put your faith into them is retarded. Um, all and right. They're like that fucking that, that woman from Hawaii. What's her name? Michelle Malkin. Believe all men. Shut up. Believe oh. all women. Shut up. Why don't you just believe me when I say shut up? I don't, okay. All right. Anyway, I'm telling you, those okay. pe- these people in the documentary reminded me of everything that's wrong with the world. All right. Well, that's why I don't believe. Okay. So, again, I found him, Daniel Lutz. 72 and 90, the Mets. That's what you come out with this year? I'm supposed to put my faith into you? You waste of $275,000 million? Go fuck yourselves. That's what I'm saying. All these people, they fuck it. They say, what the fuck am I doing? It's not just one thing. It's everything. That's why I'm angry. Okay. Well, I thought maybe eating a meal between... No, uh, it's fine. You know, <laughs> Frank Zappa's own son can't play his own fucking father's music. That's why I'm angry. Which which son is that? It's fucking Dweezil. He's mm-hmm. in a fight with his own family over the music, rights to the music and the name of his father. What kind of world do we live in? Yeah, that's absurd. I'm sure Frank would really love for his kids to play his music. I'm angry over a lot of stuff, and it all com- combines into this lack of ghost belief. All right. Well, this one second here. Uh, let's just go back, because there was uh, the priest. Ugh, the priest. Was Father interviewed. Ray? Father Ray. I don't, what was he, fucking a member of the Kinks? Father Ray was uh, interviewed by, uh, I believe it was In Search Of. I got to tell you, if I, was a, 19... if I was a priest, I would decline being interviewed. In 1979, just uh, five years after this all happened, let's let's hear what he has to say. Can I you? I think he was having an affair with a with a mother. Can you? Can you please? Can you for a second, please, just watch this? Mm-hmm. As is common with many Catholic families, Mrs. Lutz asked her parish priest to stop by and bless the house. This blessing began in the sewing room and seemed to set off a chain reaction, which would jeopardize the lives of everyone involved. Because of criticism later leveled by other church officials, the priest has never before talked to anyone in the media. In Search Of was able to locate him, and he agreed to tell us his story, but only if he could remain anonymous. I was blessing um, the sewing room. It was cold. It was really cold in there. And I thought, gee, that's, this is peculiar. Because it was a lovely day out, and, and uh, it was winter, yes, but I, it didn't account for that kind of coldness. I, I also sprinkling holy water, and I heard a, a rather deep voice uh, behind me saying, "Get out!" 
it seemed so directed toward me that I was really quite startled. I felt a slap at one point on the face. I felt somebody slap me and there was nobody there. Strange events also affected the priest who blessed the house. He discovered blisters were festering on his hands. I went to the doctor for it, yes. And he couldn't explain it. He thought it might be caused by anxiety, and of course that's, that's feasible. Uh, but I, I don't think I'm given over to psychosomatic responses. He called the Lutzes to warn George and Kathy. Interference prevented any Kathy? communication. Kathy? He could never get through. Hello. Hello. Hello, what's up with you? Hello. So, that was the actual priest, uh, Father Ray. That was his account, just five years after it happened. Do you think that, uh, and he went so far as to say you have to. Block my face here. Right. I don't want to be seen. First of all, not that I have a problem with it, but he's clearly Father Gay, not Father Ray. It doesn't matter. And second of all, after all this insanity with the with the with uh, them going on their book tour and doing their whole little thing, he says, oh, well, it's already been exploited, and I certainly could use all the money that Leonard Nimoy's he? company is going to offer me. Now, let me just do this. And maybe Leonard Nimoy's company said, you know what, we'll, uh, we'll spin it like you don't want to be seen, so we're going to uh, cover uh, your face. Uh, that's, you're making your own conspiracy. That's I'm even worse. I'm telling you that In Search Of is full of shit. All right. Well, the, uh, one, the same people you, who brought us Bigfoot. They No, they brought us a video by a man who claimed to see Bigfoot. Okay. Well, look, we're going to have to agree to disagree on all of this. I So, we stopped watching... Uh, we watched the, the My Amityville Horror documentary today, this morning, prior to this show. Yeah. The first thing you said to me afterwards was, that's a really good documentary. It is. Why is it good if you don't believe him? You because, don't believe the psychiatrist? Let me tell you something. That documentary compelled me for every minute of it, except for the first time they introduce uh, the backstory of the chick, DiPolito, or whatever her name is. Uh, Didio? Yeah. That's when I got bored for two seconds. Other than that, I liked it. And look, I think it's a great documentary. I don't believe a word he's saying other than the fact that he believes it 100%. And uh, I think that that woman, like I said, should be held, charged some sort of child abuse, child neglect, as well as the Warrens. And as well as the both the mother and Lutz. Well, if you watch the documentary as closely as I did, you'd see that the Lutzes went out of their way to not include their children in any of the conversations with the Warrens or that that young lady. That's fine, but I um, and that the the Warrens asked for permission to take the children on a walk on the beach just to see what they did would you see, say. Did you hear the kids? Re, re, did you look to your mom for protection? And he's like, what, are you kidding me? I'm here to protect my mom. That's an Italian kid. That's mm, yeah, well, that's not, that's not normal. That, no, that is a blue-collar Italian mm, kid. I can tell you that's a problem. I can tell you that those gaudy children from the other movie would probably say the same thing. Yeah, look at them. 
I'm just I'm just saying that as as an Italian, if you're an Italian family and you're a close knit Italian family, as uh, a lot of Italian families are, they do feel that way. They feel about protecting the family. Now the DeFeos um, were involved in uh, organized crime. So uh, you think do you think that cross that she had really was a off of uh, a Jesus's uh, wood of the cross? I believe she got it from some cl- a clergyman who said to, that, that I'd be that's what to it was. Bet millions of dollars that it wasn't. I just would bet you that it had nothing to do with that at all. At, uh, see, this is the thing. Dave is speaking as if you've watched the movie with us and you haven't. At some point, uh, Lorraine uh, Warren brings out a cross. Um, a crucifix and it has pieces of wood or maybe it was just a cross and not a crucifix i i couldn't really get a good view of it it had pieces of wood in it um that she said were from uh Jesus's 1927 cross. yankee stadium babe ruth the state uh, the, the that, babe ruth watch that's the watch um she said that it was a crucifix uh she wood is delusional in there. too She's, and uh was she the prototype for uh the poltergeist woman she, Lorraine, let me say something about Lorraine and Ed Warren. And any ghost show you see will always credit them. Um, people like to shit on them because of this Amityville horror. But I believe that they believed. I believe that they were not out to make money. Um, they, they show her living alone without her husband who had passed away very modestly. A small, tiny little house with, you know, clutter. It wasn't, she's, they were not living high off the hog from all of their, uh, their demonic and ghost hunting money. So I, I feel like you might want to shit on the Warrens, but you cannot accuse them of doing it for the money. I'm not accusing them of anything. I just don't think that they're authentic. No, I think they are 100% believers of what they're saying. Right. I, th- I, I don't think they were out there trying to... Uh, I, I think they believed. The movie, The Conjuring, um, I believe they were also involved with that. Um, just because you believe doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean it's not, Dave. Just because you don't believe doesn't mean it's I not know. true. That's, all right. You're just... I, I, sometimes you just don't even want to give a little bit. You don't even want to say, well, this could this could happen or this couldn't happen. One time I was, uh, when I was 16, I was working for a diner in Dover, New Jersey, Dick's Diner on Route 46. And, uh, you know, I was 16 and working my way through high school, basically trying to anyway. And there was regular, we had regulars there. And uh, one of these regulars was this kid named Danny and his aunt, and I forget her name, but she would come in and she would have her her sandwich she wanted her tuna sandwich toasted but the tomatoes needed to be cold and she was very sweet very cool it was very fun to have her in there and one day she brought a photograph in with her and it was a picture of her nephew holding up a christmas gift he had gotten that christmas it was a um, duffel bag you know just a christmas duffel bag he'd gotten he was holding it up for the camera superimposed on that duffel bag was a picture of her brother Tom as he lay in the casket when he had died, say, a couple years ago. 
I saw the photo myself, and I was like, what is this? She said, that is my brother Tommy as he looked as he laid in the casket. I was like, but you don't have a picture of that. She's like, no, of course not. You don't take that picture. So she's like, I'll send my, uh, I'll send my nephew in. So Danny was a couple of years, uh, I think he'd already graduated high school, but he was from Dover as well. And he was telling me about how his house was haunted. And he told me all of these stories about um, the same ghost, Tommy. Um, they would have, uh, they were big into Halloween. And so they would have huge Halloween parties and with tons of people. Uh, Danny's family had probably five or six siblings of, you know, all close in age. So they would have a house full of people for these parties. And at some point, uh, they, he was having a party and this uh, couple came up to him and said, hey, where's that guy we were just talking to on the on the staircase? He was fucking funny as hell. Um, I want to get him a beer or something. And Danny's like, where? I don't, you know, who was it? And they're like, I don't know, mustache or something. Very funny guy. I think he's a relative. And he's like, I don't know. If you find him, let me know. You know, the beer's in the kitchen, whatever. So within an hour or so, those people were looking at a bunch of photographs on the stairway, you know, on the wall leading up the stairs. And it was filled with family photographs. And they're like, Danny, this guy, this guy right here, that's who we were talking to. Of course, it was the dead uncle. Um, And so Danny told them, and they were just like freaked out. And uh, that was just one of the many stories there. Another story was uh, Danny's sister was in her bedroom one day with a girlfriend, and they were laughing their asses off at whatever 13-year-olds laughed their asses off uh, in the 80s or late 70s. And she had a big poster, Jesus Christ Superstar, over her bed over her uh headboard and she's laughing and uh she's facing her girlfriend her girlfriend is facing her and behind her uh behind the sister was the the poster and all of a sudden a man's face was in the poster laughing along with them and her friend just stopped laughing and her eyes went wide the sister turned around saw the uncle's face laughing along. And uh, I don't think at that point they were scared by him because they knew him, but it was definitely a scary situation for them. Long story short, I started dating Danny. He came into the diner so often. uh, And one day I went to his house, even though I never really wanted to go there because I did not want to encounter anything ghostly. And he and I were sitting at a very, very wide dining room table playing Monopoly. It was just me and him in the house and his dog. And as we're playing Monopoly, I feel someone grab my knee and give it a squeeze. You know, a little one-two squeeze, friendly squeeze on my knee. And I look up at him and I'm like, cut it out. And he looks at me and he's like, cut what out? I was like, stop grabbing my knee, stop touching me. And he looked at me and he put his hands like on his arms across the table to show me how wide that table actually was and that there was no way he was going to be able to grab my knee from underneath the table. And I was like, oh, all right. I said, must be the dog. And when I said must be the dog, he looked behind me and I turned around and there was the dog sleeping soundly on the couch where he looked like he had been for a very long time. I got up, I said, can you call me a cab? And I waited outside for the cab to come, never went back to that house again. So I have had a few 
quite a few uh, instances. So maybe there is a scientific explanation to it all. I don't know, but I'm certainly not going to shut someone down and say, you're making it up. Your mind is playing tricks on you. You've manifest this yourself. I, I can't do it. I've had my own experiences. Well, all you ghost seers are better than me. <laughs> so this has made him angry. Go fuck yourself, ghost seers. Okay. How about that? Well, why, why do we as ghost seers have to go fuck ourselves? Because. Yes? I'm, 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 I'm missing out on all the fun. It's not fun. It's a little scary. For me, it was always scary. For me to decide. Okay, that's true. Maybe it is fun. Maybe it's fucking glorious. Well, why don't you call Zach Baggins and join his crew? Well, they don't fucking come to me. Maybe I'm angry because I'm missing out. Fuck you, ghosts. Maybe me and Kevin Brennan need to find a better fucking ghost. What, Kevin Brennan doesn't... No, I'm just saying, I sound like I'm an asshole, because I don't get ghosted. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. I see, Kevin Brennan. the fuck are you? I'm here. I've been waiting, assholes. Give me something to look forward to. The fuck? All right. What, this is all there is? We die and there's no ghosts? Thanks for giving me proof, ghosts. All these other people got lots of proof. Everything to look forward to. Me. Nothing. Well, maybe, like I said, maybe you've got a gene or you are missing a gene. I don't know. Maybe the DNA strands are different for people who have experienced a little something. Or people, you know, it's it's almost like religion, you know. People have faith without having uh, concrete proof, but their faith is strong and they um, continue to have it. Bitch, watch your ass and get the cross out your pussy. All right. That's the black exorcist. That's the black exorcist. All right. Well, thank you uh, for that. Anyway, um, my Amityville Horror, if you uh, are interested in the Amityville Horror, whether you think it's fake or real, and you would just like to see this guy's story, the, the documentary came out a few years ago. Uh, I, find him, I find him comforting. The same with the people from Gotti, where I've just there's something for me about a, a New York Italians. Did you notice the uh, compare the uh, the similarities between him and Jim Norton? No. You didn't see how blinky he was. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's you know, what uh, that's, there are people. I mean, that's a, a nervous tick. People have nervous ticks. It doesn't mean anything, but um, I think there's something untold to this story. I think he's done his share of evil. Not evil, but he, he's uh, probably... No, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't drown a cat or two. Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't know. They said it followed around when he was in the neighborhood, and they cut that part out. He said it followed me out of the house when I was walking around the neighborhood when I wasn't in school. Yeah, and? And? So, you th- okay. Well, uh, all right. And then how that little wink when he, uh, well, when she said you didn't do anything bad. I think he did lots of bad. I think he's bad. Yeah, but bad and evil are not the I same. I think he's done a lot of drugs, too. Dr- but I don't find drugs to be evil. No, but I'm just saying, I think he's done a lot of drugs. I think he's uh, done some evil. I, see, I, the evil is, do you know what evil No one plays tapping guitar who hasn't done evil. That's not true. Eddie Van Halen has never done anything evil. How do you know what he's done? Because you I worked for them. You think you to be that good and you don't sell your soul to the devil? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't believe Eddie Van Halen has sold his soul to the you devil. You just get no. to be that good a guitar player and and date Valley Burton early in the 1980s. 
Well, that is actually a curse because she is probably well, not the best person in the world. I mean, for the first couple months, it was probably good. But, but honestly, I feel like, you know, uh, Eddie, Van, Mackenzie Phillips. Eddie Van Halen's mom, from all accounts I've heard from, from Al and from Dave, Eddie Van Halen's mom was a whipcracker when it came to practicing your instruments, whether it was your guitar, your piano, your drums. She wanted you, you know, just with like with their schoolwork. She wanted them to be on the big bad bill is a sweet William now. Yeah. She wanted them to be very good. She wanted them. She came. Big bad bill. Their mom came from a, a place where they didn't have a lot of opportunity. Yeah. And uh, she wanted Europe. No, her their mom was uh, Indonesian. Um, oh, you mean their dad was Dutch? That's right. And their mom was Indonesian. Yes. Oh, no wonder that he looked so much like a Jimmy Page. Anyway, uh, so they he did not sell his soul to the devil. Not the devil evil. sold his soul to him. That's how bad that motherfucker is. So that's what I'm talking about. Let's turn the tables. Okay. I, I'm waiting for ghosts to see me. Hey, motherfucker, you see me? Have you have you experienced me yet? Okay. I'm terrorizing your ass. All right. Um. Okay. So I, I, I guess we're done here. You can uh, watch the Amityville Horror or read the book. Uh, imagine me reading it when I was 11-ish, I guess, when it came out. I, I was afraid to go to the bathroom by myself. Um, I'm sure that really my, my parents loved that. But I was afraid to look out a window. I was afraid to, uh, yeah, I was afraid to be alone by myself. And this was... A few years after the legend of Boggy Creek, so yeah, the seventies basically petrified me to the point where I am still petrified. So if you think the shit in your childhood doesn't affect you forever, you're out your mind because it does. Um, yeah, I saw the Sunshine Boys on Broadway. Okay, that's had a prominent effect on me. That's excellent, excellent. Um, anyway, this has been episode twenty-three of the Middle-Aged Cool Kids Super Terrific podcast featuring your pals Dave and Shecky. Uh, if you want to know more about us, please check out our website at middleagedcoolkids.com. You can follow me on gab.com um, at middleagedcoolkids. And you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, BitChute, and youtube um we welcome any and all comments we have 3500 followers on gab so uh i love gab i love free speech i don't necessarily always need it but i want it to always be there uh you have anything else you want to talk about you want to plug real quick no all right um maybe next week dave will be a little less angry and uh, because I'm going to continue the spooky theme, um, I think maybe next week we'll do ghost shows. And then uh, for our Halloween show uh, that we're going to do a special Halloween episode, I uh, have purchased a Ouija board, Dave. A Ouija. A Ouija wait. So. I play gigs there. All right. I am uh, going to sign off now. Uh I will see you, we will see you next time, America. Goodbye. What? Goodbye. What? What? What are you saying? Say goodbye. Oh, okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.